0: Okay, welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast, uh, From the Sidelines. Uh, special guest today, uh, Adam Adam Colley from UK Coaching. And the topic we want to discuss is creating the environment. Uh, welcome along, Adam. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be asked. Great stuff. Uh, Adam, do you just want to give us a little bit of an insight into your uh, current
1: role at the minute? Uh, your day-to-day job and then obviously what you're doing outside of that as well yeah of course so it's a bit of a mixed bag so um currently from a full-time position i work for the activity alliance who uh look at inclusion and disability sport um across across england Um so i, I look after a program called the inclusive activity program which is looking to make um those that deliver sport and physical activity and um, think about how they can make their practices um, inclusive uh, for people with different needs disabilities um, and from different backgrounds as well. So that's my uh my nine to five. And then in and around that is my coach developer and coach development stuff that I do. So uh, I'm a lead tutor for UK coaching, delivering a variety of their um, workshop titles, safeguarding through to coaching the person in front of you. Um and working with them to sort of shape content um, but also to uh, work with other tutors and 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 deliver orientations to them as well. Um, I'm a coach educator for a couple of national governing bodies. So for the FA, um, was an affiliate tutor for the the previous level one and level two qualifications, and currently a a tutor or a coach developer for their introduction to coaching football course. Um, coach educator for England handball, rounders, England, uh, Botcher England as well. So. Uh, yeah, as well as lots of other sort of coaching and and bits and pieces fitted in around that. So yeah, a real um, a real mix, which has been brilliant. Um, and over the last, I'd probably say six seven years, I've had that real mix of of different mm. environments and different um, sports, sort of get my teeth into. And um, yeah, it's been good fun.
0: Extremely busy by the sounds of it. So yeah. So <laughs> thanks for giving up your time time today to do this with us. No problem. Um, I suppose my first question: How did he enjoy the Euros?
1: I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I mean, it's it's football on every single day, <laughs> okay. but um, um, which is tough when you've got a, a young family to sort of watch and there's other things that, that potentially t- <laughs> um, take over the TV. But um, yeah, I've tried to watch as many games as possible, and just um, being able to see the progression of the England side was just fantastic. Um, so yeah. Really loved it. It was a, 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 a much enjoyable four weeks.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose the the the, the topic today, creating that positive environment, um, looking at looking at Gareth Southgate and his coaching team, um, what they have created over the last few years, as um, should. Well, obviously, it would have helped support
1: the success in the Euros. Do you believe? Definitely. Um, I think it was really, um, really great to see how St. George's Park was almost used as this real hub for the players and they almost took over the whole place, but just to make it feel like their home. Um, I think the the biggest thing in there, there was a, an individual um, connection with the the manager and the coaching staff. I think that I think Gareth Southgate is one of the first people to um, mention the people he had around him to help the players. It's not just his connection with them. It's it's uh, the network he has of, of, of people around him. Um, I think um, when Jack Grealish said he first got into his hotel room, he said there were like pictures of his family. There were things in that room that made him feel more at home and and more relaxed. Um, and that sort of stuff, as little as it may be, is is hugely important to, to the individual. Um, so, yeah, I think it went a massive way of, of providing that base and um, sort of area of calm, I think, mm. around the around the England camp. So it was really nice to see, and it obviously fits quite nicely into our um, topic today.
0: Yeah, and, it, and I suppose building that rapport with the players uh, is a start off for the the, the environment that you're creating. Um, team communication, one-to-one communication, the importance of that around around that rapport.
1: Oh, definitely. I think if you when you looked at some of the games and there were a couple of players that maybe didn't come on as substitutes, Gareth Southgate was the first person to put his arm around them and have that conversation and be able to have those sometimes tough conversations with them to to say, "Why aren't they playing?" But um, I think there's there's some really nice lessons to be taken from that. Um, going back into that environment around St George's Park, I think um, the players would have been involved in the in those conversations as to what they would like to have a in and around them and what made them feel comfortable. Um, I can't imagine Gareth Southgate went, Do you know what? I'm going to get some inflatable uh, unicorns and sharks and <laughs> killer whales to put in this swimming pool. I think it was just through conversations with others they've had. And obviously it linked in quite nicely to the success they'd had back in um, 2018. So carry that on. So yeah, I think there was lots of ownership from the players. Lots of, um, I think there was obviously a bed of principles that, as an individual and then lots of people have as their own personal um, sort of feelings and principles that they all want to have in place. But I think that just helped to shape um, everything else that came around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really nice to see it all come together.
0: Yeah. And we've, and we've touched on it. they getting, getting to know our players. So, you
1: know, the, the importance of that within grassroots. Massive. Um, potentially slightly harder challenge in terms of you're not seeing you're seeing those players maybe once twice a week um and not all the time but you can really use that opportunity to um get to know those individuals and so when you've got a group of players coming to your session they're not just a group of players they're little individuals with different wants different needs different things that excite them um I always challenge the answer when people say what should your session look like and people say fun they need to be fun i'm always like okay but let's break that down because my fun i'm guessing is different to your fun gary so yeah how do we make sure that fits into the same session um so i think that's huge um getting to know those players um and what makes them tick i, I had a, a learn on a level one course probably about three or four years ago and he was telling me a story about he he delivers. He has a, a group of players that his two boys they play in the same team, and uh, him and his two boys love wrestling. Um, and just through a conversation with one of his boys and the other kids, realised that they there was a real connection. They love wrestling as well. And then when they found out that he the coach, their dad, loved wrestling, it was like wow, we can have a conversation. So it turned out that they would spend almost forty minutes of their one hour session as a group just talking about wwe wrestling and and their love for it and then suddenly go oh we've only got 20 minutes left we better do some football um but it just sort of highlighted to me the the beauty of just because people are coming to play football it doesn't mean that's all they want from the session there's going to be lots of other things and lots of other payoffs they're going to get from it um and it's about having those individual conversations the ones that are random um not just the how are you, oh I'm fine, yeah good thanks, right off we go, other things like how was school, um, what did you do at the weekend, or Jeff for dinner, but then even sort of build on other things like that Um, and that's, I I tend to do that when I'm running coach education courses, ask random questions that will um, stimulate a a different type of response but also create debate um, because then you're going to get to know individuals on a far different level and um maybe get a bit more of an understanding as to why they're they're there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building them relationships really important there. And 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 I suppose what what do the players want from us as the coaches within that relationship?
1: I, I would say the same thing. They need to know who you are. What's yeah. what are your motivations for being there? Um so you can have those conversations. I've I delivered a training session last night and I hadn't delivered it for a while um to so the players that i hadn't seen for sort of four or five weeks it was great to just go and ha- go along and just talk about things that were just away from football but things over the last sort of three or four years we've been able to um sort of get a real connection over um but i think that's that's really important that they know who you are as an individual you're not just the coach they might need to know that you also maybe are a parent or um, where you live, what your interests are, TV programs and things like that. Um, I mean, it depends who you're working with. If it's children, then how can you tap into what they might be interested in and, and, and vice versa? But obviously, if it's with adults, then there's other conversations that you can start having. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot around um, and and quite rightly so around people's mental health over the last couple of years and how it's really been brought to the fore and I'm a massive advocate of being very open about feelings and I think sometimes with especially with maybe older players or adults um, make sure you're creating an opportunity or an environment where people can speak uh, openly and and talk about how they're feeling because then you may be one person to be able to help them and just have a conversation that might have a massive impact on that person yeah. so yeah
0: yeah we hear this there's so many times don't we with especially with coaches talking and we want to set that perfect environment for the for the learning to take place uh within your group of players of whatever age group that
1: is what does that look like this is a really tough question probably one of the the, the toughest ones that the that um that you've got down to ask me, is that it, it just completely depends on the group of players that you have um, within your team, club, whatever it might be. So your environment is going to look um, completely different. And it's it's really important that the players are involved in the process and maybe setting that. Um, we, we talk a lot about sort of creating code of conducts for, for players, but actually think about who's involved in creating that code of conduct. If it's just the coach, then it's just literally a load of rules that the players feel they have to follow and they're not necessarily theirs. Whereas if the players are involved in making that code of conduct, there's going to be huge payoffs for it. One, they're going to remember what's on it because they wrote it. Um, they're more likely to stick to it because they were involved and it's it's theirs or yours as a group. Um, but also you're going to get some really interesting things that come away from that. because. Uh, alongside the sort of normal stuff like we're here to have fun be good be any best behavior all those sorts of things listen you might get some other things as a um an outcome that you as a coach may not necessarily have expected of your players um so as long as as long as they have an opportunity to sort of mold and create those the rules that shape the environment i think that's only a good thing obviously you would have to Guide them in certain ways, and there will be certain things you might have to have a coach. Like I said about Gareth Southgate, there'll be things he has as a um, sort of from a moral standpoint, things that are almost non-negotiables. But what else goes in and around that that can make the players feel like this is our environment, this is our place where we can come and um, feel like it's something that we've built, that we've put together.
0: Yeah, it's the importance of of having having that. Inclusivity and that player centred approach,
1: mm-hmm. massively. Yeah. Um, yeah, the player should always be at the centre, and everything else comes comes off of that.
0: Yeah. Um, going back to sort of to England, and, and this was came out in one of uh, Gareth Southgate's interviews. I think that. Uh, how we support our players um, to go out there without no fear whatsoever, to express themselves. Um, and if they don't get success, it's it's not a major issue. When you're talking about the environment, that must be a major sort of theme around our coaching, Adam. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and it all comes back down to that word success. Um, and it's how you dress it. What is success? if success is winning at all costs then that's going to look completely different to um, winning without fear or, or we're just going expressing yourself and what we want to try and move away from is the winning at all cost mentality and think about what else success looks like um, obviously for teams that are playing at the very top level they have to be successful because that's why they're at the, the top end of the game and they have to try and win matches but it's actually what else is what else is important um, certainly from a grassroots point of view we need to make sure our players aren't feeling the pressure so that, and, and there's been a lot of um, talk about sort of what is pressure is pressure a thing is it just an individual thing and potentially it is um, but that's for people that may be a little bit cleverer than myself to to, to debate and, and talk about um, but you want to try and make sure that players can go out and express themselves without knowing that there's going to be a, a negative, um, consequence, always going to be a positive feeling. So if they try something, brilliant, you want them to try things because that will help their um, their learning because they're going to go out and maybe try again, but do something different. So they're starting to um, create their own sort of learning pathway. Um, and, and I think, like I say, it all boils down to what success is. So if you look back to the England team, if success is winning, if the ultimate aim of success is winning the tournament, then unfortunately we fell at the the last hurdle. We didn't quite make it. But if you said that before the tournament, success um, at the end of um, Euro twenty twenty is to generate a massive um, connection between fans, young footballers, and the England team, and create a really nice buzz within the country, then that's a massive tick in the mm. in the success box. So we've just got to make sure we are um, putting a realistic thought process onto what success looks like within our, our team and our coaching environments. I think that's huge. Um, it's a tough one because lots of people ultimately want to win football matches, but when you're working with young players at a grassroots level, just make sure they have an understanding as well as you, what your success is and what, what you're ultimately trying to aim for is it winning or is it providing them with the opportunity to play football in a, an environment that they can play without any fear? They can try things without any um, negativity um, and be rewarded for doing something that's a little bit different. And I, I think that's huge.
0: And I think that the, the, the players um, from not gaining success, but not having that fear of trying, that's when the learning is going to ultimately happen and they're going to develop uh, different skill sets for the challenges that they come up up against. Adam,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and and there's a we've moved a lot, and there's a variety of different ways of coaching. As as people will will know, as I've gone on, I mean, I, I coach differently now to what I did twenty years ago, and there, and there's been various different ways of what's the best way of coaching, and um, as I've gone through those twenty years, um but with, I really love the approach of that whole game-related practices. Um, some coaches will prefer to do some other more technical stuff, but in those little games, you can put in scenarios and create so many different outcomes that actually players are going to have to try and do things. Ultimately, they're going to have to go and apply in a game. So what sort of things can we do as coaches to create challenges, um, opportunities for success, um, and chances for players to go out and just feel like they can try things, um, and still be rewarded for it because it's going to have a, a huge payoff when they go and and play the matches um, at the weekends um, because it's going to be realistic to that environment. Yeah. Um, there, there's always going to be the need for sort of technical stuff and, um, and different types of practices but for me those game-based exercises and game-related practices can really start to get players to think about how they're going to behave in a game, how they're going to react to certain situations. Um, but one thing I I, I love doing and has probably done it for the last sort of five or six years is is coming up with different scenarios and using um, sort of support resources to um, to go in. The coaching lab cars are, are brilliant just to go in and give little challenges to individuals or to teams to just create different outcomes that they might not necessarily get from um a little technical practice whereas in a game they can really start to think about what their decision is going to be if it's not right that time what's it going to be ne- what's going to be the a better outcome next time um and then it can then filter into a game quite nicely um so that's my personal sort of um love at the moment is you really using those game related activities
0: yeah from your experiences adam what are the what are the players want from that environment, um, is it the game game based practices that you're discussing now?
1: I, I think so. I think there's always been, and I've had conversations with other tutors about this about the sort of threat of if you don't do what you're doing now, we won't have a game at the end. But yeah. <laughs> actually, let's why does the game have to be at the end? Why can't we have a game at the beginning and 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 stem off from there? Mm-hmm. Um, opportunities for that connection with other players. I think certainly over the last. 18 months that's something that's been huge um is that that's give our players an opportunity to yes play football but as we were talking about earlier there's going to be other reasons why they come along and for some of them it might be because they just want to have a little chat with people they haven't seen since the 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 previous week or previous weekend um and can we put on some activities actually at the beginning when the players are arriving they're doing having those opportunities to connect and have conversations and if they are going to go and get a drink let them go have a drink for sort of three four minutes rather than just going 30 seconds drink and back Mm -hmm. again let them have the opportunity to go and just connect and chat and talk about stuff because that like i say that could be the the biggest reason that they come along so we're looking to create that environment that allows them to um, tick all the boxes or certainly as many boxes as they can for their purposes of being there um, and i think that has a, that will have a huge impact on your players
0: fantastic points there adam yeah really 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 good um what effects may this have on the on the players if we're not you know creating that really positive exciting environment for them to come along to
1: um, I think it's it's one that's again you've got to think about what what do the players want and are you having those conversations with them? If that isn't being provided, then you you might get things such as players not wanting to be there. So you've got low attendance. You've got um, players when they are there, they're afraid to try things. So actually, uh, it becomes more of a almost like a coach-led session. So the coach is making all decisions because the players aren't feeling that they 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 can do that. Um, it, and it might have an effect, and we've got to think about as coaches, we're not, think, we shouldn't be thinking about the, our team at that moment in time, we're working with those individuals, especially if they're very, very young, they're in that, um, that five to 12 phase. Actually, we, we've got to think about what their footballing capabilities are going to be for the rest of their lives. We're we're not, we don't want them to sort of do the here and now, we want to make sure they can be creative and, and express themselves and have a bit of a freedom to to play without being told that that's wrong Um, and i think if we don't have that environment for them and it is something that is quite negative and coach-led and um, where information is given to them all the time then as they actually go through if they stay with the game and they move through it um, they're not going to have the experience of making their own decisions um, and it could have a serious effect on their um, their love of the game and also, how long they stay in the game for? Yeah. Um, obviously, depending on whether you're working with um, boys or girls, as there is a drop off at certain points in their in their ages um, for various reasons. But we we want to try and make sure that they have the opportunity to be involved in football because it gives them as much as they want and be involved for as long as possible. Um, otherwise, we will have those real negative effects on them.
0: Yeah, and does it change throughout the phases so you you touched on the foundation phase there the 5 5 to 12s mm-hmm. and then we go into the, the 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 youth development phase
1: does that environment change in any way um parmy really wants to say no i think it should be the mm-hmm. same especially mm-hmm. if you've got a group of players who are moving together and they so from a grassroots perspective you'll see a majority of of teams they will just carry on it be the same manager going all the way through um and they're all staying together. So naturally things will evolve and change, but there will be those core things that stay the same. Um, I think there's gonna be different needs and wants depending on the the level of the game that you maybe progress up upon, whether it goes into sort of the academies, into semi-professional, or it goes into um, the professional game. But ultimately, as we've just seen from the European Championships, we've got a group of professional footballers who's actually at the core. They just want to go and there's there's other things that are us away from football that um, are so important when it actually, to when it comes to actually playing the game. They need those things around them. Um, so I, I think there will be little things that need to be tweaked and changed and adapted, but ultimately, um, you're trying to keep things as true to their core values as when they were five as to potentially when they're in the um, professional development phase, sort of 17 to 21, there's still going to be those things that are really similar to them and to you as coaches as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and when we we start looking at uh, what practice design, um, should we be having a focus around the environment within that practice design, Adam? Yeah, definitely.
1: It potentially should come first um it was a um a great question i was asked uh richard Cheatham, who um is a, a coach developer based at university of winchester um asked a great question of us once in a sort of coach developer session how do you want to learn today and it was like oh nobody's ever asked us that before um so how how, how do we how, how do we want to learn? it created such a great debate about actually what is the best way for me but the people next to me and everybody for them to learn um and I think that's something that should always be put as maybe one of the top priorities how do your players want to learn and then what how else does how is your practices how is your design of your practice going to look from that moment on um and it was a, a really big question that had a massive impact on me because then i would start flipping it back to my learners and go right how do you want to learn and it created some really nice discussion so when they went back into their clubs environments and this is across all sports so football handball and rounders what does it what does that look like for your groups it's going to be different for everybody as we've talked about before but that that sort of question maybe comes first and everything else comes um comes afterwards um yeah it should be part of that practice practice design if you think about the four corners where does it sit um is it going to be in sort of a bit of the psychological corner potentially in the bit of the social and then it will help mold the the tech tech stuff um and and those other principles are kind of physical side of things as well um so yeah I, i i and say all coaches are different but for me personally my I want to create an environment where people feel they can um, be comfortable. So if I was delivering a level one um, or a level two or whatever it might be, across all sports, my first thought is, right, I'm making the environment comfortable so that when people turn up, they may be expecting to go to do some learning and sit down and be spoken to, but actually let's give them something that's slightly different. Rather than going away at the end of the day or the end of the four weeks and go, I've just done a training course, I don't want them to go away going, wow! I've had a really great experience. I've had an experience of going on a three-hour workshop, or I've had an experience of going on a four-day or four-week course. It's been brilliant, um, and it's changing those mindsets. Um, I deliver a safeguarding workshop, and my experience of going on a safeguarding workshop is sitting down in a semicircle, somebody talking to me, and expecting me to take on all the information potentially write some notes and then that's my three hours done. Actually, now I'm a safeguarding tutor, I'm thinking, right, what would I want? But actually, what do they want that would be, oh, that was different. I've just had a really great three-hour workshop on safeguarding normally I switch off. But I've come away listening to everything and be involved in conversations and challenges and um, listening to different opinions and a different way of um, doing some learning activities so that when I come away from it, um, I feel different to if I had just been sat in a semicircle and been spoken to for three hours. So um, that's always in the back of my mind. When people leave, are they going to feel like they've had an experience rather than just been on a course or a training session? Which
0: is a little bit deep, but... (laughs) Back, Adam. Back. Um, make it seamless. <laughs> <laughs> and and I suppose once we've once we've created that environment and we've we're working really hard to keep that keep that going week to week, season to season. I suppose the reflection uh, of that needs to continually happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that we're we're con- consistently telling coaches to do go and reflect but actually how are we reflecting um and what sort of tools are available for coaches to go and reflect and not just on their sort of content of their practices and but yeah the the other things that go around that um I think it's always something that's just consistently being reviewed and players needs and wants are are consistently going to change so we've just got to make sure that we're always. listening out for for things that are happening and being there to be a supportive arm and an ear to our players um, because there will be that need to reflect over things and actually are they working is the environment we're creating the right one or do we need to maybe change something to um, to make sure the players are getting out of it what they need to but as coaches we need to get something from it as well ultimately yes we're there for the players and to to provide the um, a platform for them to go and play and express themselves and enjoy themselves, but we need to have that as well as coaches. So, are we creating the right environment for us? Um, and again, that's going to be different for each coach. But um, how how do you feel when you're delivering your sessions? If you're coming away with a nice sort of warm feeling and a nice glow because you've really enjoyed it, then actually, yeah, you're ticking your boxes as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's massive. Yes, our players are huge in what we're what we're trying to do and they're the reason why we're there but we also have to make sure as a coach that we're um we're getting out of it what what we want as well and having the right environment for us to to go and thrive and um be the best we can and if not what support can we get in around us what do we need to go and do what courses maybe need to be help us to be supported who can we go and talk to are there other coaches that we can talk to and find out what they're doing and if they're having any challenges can we have those conversations to discuss? Um, or if you think a coach might be doing something really well, go and speak to them about it, find out what it is that they're doing uh, and take things from them. So I think, um, yeah, massive. doesn't Probably happens more on a sort of ad hoc, relaxed basis in terms of that connection with other coaches, but really we should be trying to make as much as we can of it because some coaches will not feel they want to give too much away or feel they can't give too much away. Actually, let's just be open and talk to each yeah. other and find out what it is that that's working and not mm-hmm. working, and we can work those things out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I suppose, failure, Adam, have you any good examples?
1: Um, best example and a, a scenario I had, I, I, I've done a lot of work with um, adults and children with with learning disabilities. And I worked for a, a period of about three or four years in a um, special educational needs school, um, delivering PE with another colleague. Um, and we had the opportunity for an English cricket board coach to come in and do some sessions with one of our groups. So I thought, brilliant, this would be great. So we hadn't met him. He'd gone outside the setup. We brought the class down and he's got some disco music playing. And, and it was one of the best sessions I've been part of and, and seen. And the disco music was a constant throughout. Didn't turn it off once the session started. Kept the disco music playing throughout the whole hour we were outside. And at the end, I said, that was brilliant. But can I ask, why did you have the disco music playing? He said, well, it takes away so many other things. So they forgot that I was new. So that would normally be if I had turned it off, it would, all oh, there's a new guy here, took away that. Um, you were dancing to it. And I was like, yeah, I was all the way through. So the common theme was everybody was sort of laughing at you because you were dancing to the disco music. So it took a bit of pressure for everybody else to um, sort of how they had to behave and had to feel. And it just added to this really great hour that the kids enjoyed. Myself and my colleague loved it. And we were like, that's probably one of the best lessons that we've seen with this group of children. They've all done what they were supposed to do and they've all loved it. And so for the three weeks that came after that, it was just a real nice feeling that just by having that disco music on on throughout the hour session, it just took everything else away from it and made it a really nice um thing to be a part of um, so yeah i would just try things and and in terms of creating experiences just speak to players see what they want try things out if they work brilliant if they don't you tried and i'll say that about any with regards to any type of thing that's regarding coaching be creative try things and and see what happens um but yeah that's um sort of one little scenario that will always stick with me
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for sharing your knowledge around creating the environment uh,
1: today Um, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you.